Hey, hey. Woo, how are you? All right, good to see you. Having a good morning so far? I'm here you clap. You awake and live? Even the, uh, doesn't our band do an awesome job? Give them a hand. They, they, they work hard every week, and they do an awesome job, so uh, we, we appreciate that. Are you recovered from Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> no, and ready for Christmas now, right? It seems like, man, it, this year goes kind of slow, and then all of a sudden, wham, here we are towards the end of the year already. But I uh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, even uh, looking forward to uh, a better Christmas as you think about what that means and, and what that's about. Hey, I want to tell you something before we get started into the message, uh, just to make sure that you need to be here next week. And you need to tell people who are normally here, if they're not, spread the word, be here next week. You need to be here every week, really. But we don't want you to miss out on special things, particularly that we do. And next week, the Freedom Kids, they have a, a nice uh, video, a play about Christmas they're going to do. I've seen that. Uh, and it is awesome, and it is cute, and it is really awesome. And they're going to be singing, so we want to make sure that you're a part of that, kind of spread the word. And if you have little ones that are going to be participating, you've already gotten a postcard from Ashley making sure to remind you where you need to be and when you need to be there. So I hope you have gotten that, and you'll, you'll be here. So be, be sure and be here next week. We're looking, looking forward to that, um, the Christmas takeover. The kids are just going to take over. Uh, but, it, but it is awesome, and that's going to be next week. So... Um, hope you'll be here for that. Continuing our uh, series called Known, and um, I always like to uh, say, we mention this often, uh, Cliff started us off last week. If you did not uh, hear that message or whatever, you can go on our website, or you can either download or you can just listen to it right there on the website, and you can listen to the message, and it's a, a really good message, and you need, you need to hear that if you didn't. We were on vacation and when I came back, I, I was able to listen to it, and it's just a, a really good message. So if you weren't here last week, make sure you do that as we kind of uh, talk about these different things. Talk about, about Jesus being known, and, and if you listened to what Cliff did last week, some of the things that he talked about was about how the prophets, and they foretold that Jesus was coming. And I don't know, if, you, if you've been around, uh, around church at all or Christian folks at, at, at any time during this season— even if you're not a believer, the chances are great that you have heard some stuff about Jesus. I mean, you probably even know the Christmas story. You may know some things uh, about him. And just to think about from from long, long, long time ago with the prophets of how they were foretelling that Jesus was going to come and then one day uh, for that to happen, it just, just to see that. And even in the scripture we're going to look at this morning, can see uh, the things that were said uh, several times in there. The statement is made, and this was done to fulfill the prophecy that those prophets had talked about and the things that said that was going to happen with Jesus uh, and, and about Jesus. So um, if you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn in the book of Matthew. Uh, that's in the New Testament portion of the Bible. If you're not familiar with that, it's kind of the second half, that first book of the New Testament, Matthew one of the one of the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John we call the gospels the good news of Jesus and uh, Matthew we're going to uh, in chapter two and you'll see that on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible and um, I want to read that and today specifically I want us to look at as we read this story there's several things in there but look at Herod and his response to Jesus and and what what that whole concept of Jesus being known and the birth of Jesus and what that meant to him and how he responded 
So uh, look at these verses, uh, starting in, in verse 1. Now, I'm, just, I'm going to read the whole section of Scripture there. I'm going to go all the way through verse 18 uh, that we can uh, really see all this in context. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the, uh, of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted because they are no more. Now, that's a whole, that whole section there of talking about the birth of Jesus and the things that happened. And what I want us to look at is Herod and his response to this birth of Jesus. Now, again, just... Just kind of remember, uh, certainly uh, not everybody that was in the world or in this area, not everybody knew all of the scriptures and all the prophecies, and not everybody knew that Jesus was coming, but a lot of them did. And so Jesus, even from his very birth, was known. They looked forward to him coming. Some of them, some of them weren't too excited about him coming. But but he was known, even from from being foretold that he was going to come, and even from his birth, of them knowing that somebody was coming, that it had been told that they were coming, and now Jesus is on the scene, and this is kind of some of the first responses of the people who heard of his birth and what what they did with that. So what I want us to look 
at today is, is how Herod responded. And this, this, one, this one thing this morning of his view, and this may strike you as a little funny, possibly, because in our culture, when we think about the birth of Jesus, oftentimes we think of joy, we think of Christmas, we think of gifts, we think of a lot of things that are mostly of a positive nature, uh, and there are some things that are not so positive in some portions of the culture, but in, in general, it's a positive thing when we think about the birth of Jesus. But Herod saw Jesus as a threat. He saw Jesus as a threat. And verse 3 of Matthew, it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, now think about that for a minute and you know, it, it may seem obvious to you, and it may not, but, but why in the world would Herod be troubled? Why would the people of Israel and all the people of Judah, all the people of Jerusalem there, why would it say that Herod was troubled and all the people with him? Well, think about if you were in Herod's place. Herod was the king, right? Here's the news of a new king coming on the scene. I mean, that, that just speaks a little bit of... of threatening doesn't it someone if if i'm a king and they're talking about a new king has come what does that mean about me that means that i'm going to become the old king right that means i'm i'm on my way out i'm getting ready to lose my kingdom if there's somebody who's going to be a new king and i'm presently in the position of king then then i'm going to be gone at some point so it was a threat to him herod was known as herod the great now uh, he was a pretty ruthless king and did some pretty evil stuff, according to what I've seen. And even as we see, as he carries that out, as he's looking for Jesus and he's, uh, the baby, and he's just killing all children who might be in that same age group. That's how threatened he was. So he was a pretty ruthless ruler, uh, but in spite of that, from a material perspective, from a successful perspective, he was a real successful king. Jerusalem and in that area, there were a lot, of, a lot of ways that it actually thrived under his kingship. Uh, although he might have went about it in a lot of wrong ways, but but to know that that he saw Jesus as a threat because he was successful, he was the king, and the, and the people there, it said, and the people with him were were worried, they were troubled, and again, probably not everybody, but there was at least a lot of people who had become accustomed to a certain way of life under the rule of Herod. And for some of those people, it was a pretty good life. It was a, a, a life of abundance. For a, a lot of them, or, or many of them, it was, he was a holy terror to them. But they said there were all these people, they were troubled. So just think about as a threat, those are the kinds of things that were, that were kind of on the line for Herod and some of the people that the Bible mentions, that here... Here they had this way of life. They were accustomed to doing things a certain way. They were accustomed to living a certain way. They were accustomed to going certain places and enjoying certain benefits and certain things. And this news of now somebody new coming in to take over could mean that things are going to change. Have you ever worked for a company and the ownership changed? If you're an employee of a company and another company either buys you out, either it's peacefully or not, and now you're under new ownership, 
what immediately goes through your mind, no matter how much people reassure you that you're going to keep your job and everything's going to be okay, what immediately goes through your mind? Hmm. New management, new people in place, I might lose my job. I might lose my benefits. I might, who knows? I know of a person uh, in Kentucky, a friend of ours, and she, was, she worked as a, as a nurse for this doctor's office for years and years and years and years and had built up vacation and benefits, and the doctor sold out to another doctor, and that doctor came in, and she had to start from scratch. She kept her job but she lost all of her benefits and all the things that she was accustomed to doing as a part of being in that employment. So maybe as we think about um, a king and living somewhere where we're ruled over by a king, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. But if you put it in that perspective, it's pretty similar to maybe how we would feel threatened of there's going to be new management. Something's going to happen. Things are going to change. This, this is going to be different. It's not going to be the same as it was. So he was threatened, and the people with him, with Herod, uh, was, was threatened. Uh, and I think a lot of it had to do with um, their way of life. But it also had to do with this, this concept here. Herod knew of Jesus, but misunderstood why Jesus had come. See, he knew of him. He knew who to ask to find out where Jesus was going to be. He, he knew some of the things about Jesus. But in his mind, I think based on his response, in his mind, Jesus was a threat because he misunderstood why Jesus was coming. And immediately he thought of those things that I just mentioned. He's going he's to lose his kingship. He's going to lose his power. He's going to lose his benefits. He's going to lose all these things. And everything was just viewed as a threat because he really didn't have a proper understanding of why Jesus had come. Now, you're a smart group. I know you are. And there are classical two responses when we as human beings are faced with something that's a threat. There are two responses that the psychologists tell us that we are most likely to have. One of them is we can either fight or what's the other one? Yeah. Flee. Yes. That just caught me off guard because flight. That's awesome though, right? Fight or flight, right? The idea of when we're threatened, we're either gonna we're gonna bow up against it, we're gonna we're gonna get defensive, we're gonna we're gonna fight against it, we're not gonna put up with it, or we're so threatened that we choose to just kind of want to avoid it or back away from it. Some of that is uh, dependent on our personalities. If your personality if your personality type is more of the kind that's a little subdued and you, uh, you don't like conflict, and you don't like for people to, to disagree or not get along, you probably, if, when faced or when threatened, you probably naturally have that flight pattern in your life, that you don't want to experience conflict. If it's trouble, you're just going to go away from it. If, you, if you're mad at somebody and they ask you what's wrong, you're going to say nothing, I'm fine. You're not going to tell them. You're, you're going to avoid it. If your personality is more the type of aggressiveness and you're going to take charge of things or whatever, you probably have a tendency just to take things head on. And when you're threatened, you get pushed into the wall, you're coming out fighting, and somebody's going down, and you don't think it's going to be you, right? <laughs> that's, that's kind of why we, the way we are. So some of it, I think, is based on our personalities. But those are kind of classical two options when we're faced with a threat. 
and what we're going to do. Well, guess what? Herod's response when faced with a threat with a threat was for him to fight. Which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? He's the king. He has power. He used to say, and you do this, and they do that. He used to say, and you don't do that, and they don't do that. So he's probably this more of aggressive type of leader based on what we know about him. And so his response to this threat of Jesus is to fight against it. And look at verse 16. We read it, but just to reread verse 16 to see this. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So here, first of all, he lied. He told them what was his excuse for wanting to know where Jesus was. You can talk in church. Yeah, he said, he want, He said, I too want to go worship. You know, the, the, the wise men wanted to go worship. And Herod says, hey, tell me when you find him because I want to go and worship too. And then they give him the, the slip and he's furious and we see his real motive behind what he wanted. He wanted to find Jesus so he could take out the competition. He wanted to get rid of him. So bad he wanted to get rid of him that he didn't know exactly where Jesus was. He didn't know exactly what Jesus looked like, but he knew Jesus was in the general area somewhere. And based on the time that the people had told him that Jesus was born, he just figured, we'll just start at two years old and under, and that should take care of it. So take off and just kill all the children. Eventually, we'll get him. Now, that's pretty ruthless, isn't it? That shows you the power of this threat that he felt with Jesus. He didn't want to lose his kingship. He was going to do whatever it took to remove this threat. So he, he gives this command to go out and to kill all of these children. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I've read that several times this week, and I've read it many times before, and just reading by that, and just the idea of that he just said, hey, go kill all the children two years old and, and under. Man. Can you believe that? So that's how threatened he was, and he wanted to get, get rid of that threat. So his response to the threat was to fight. But here is the thing that I kind of want us to focus on, and I want you to think about in your own life, is this. Jesus is so much more than a threat. He's so much more. Jesus was so much more for Herod, he just didn't realize it. He was so much more than a threat to his way of life. Jesus didn't have any intentions of coming and taking over the government. That was kind of what was thought. People heard of a king, they naturally associated it with the way that earthly kings ruled, and they just assumed Jesus was going to be another king who was going to come in and take over. And so he was threatened, but he was, if, if Herod could have just grabbed a hold and understood why Jesus really had come, he would have understood that he had been so much more. Jesus could have been so much more than just this threat to him. He didn't come uh, to make life miserable. Look at John. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn over a couple of books. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 17. And there's a lot of Scripture, and I just chose just two of them this morning to share with you. But there's a lot of them as Jesus talks about and the Bible talks about Jesus' purpose for being here and what he intended to do. We, most of us, may know or have heard John 3, 16, right? And I memorized it a long time ago in the King James, so I can't hardly do it in anything else. For God, you say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that believeth in him should not 
but have everlasting life, right? That's John 3.16. John 3.17 continues, and now this is in the, the ESV that we use. He says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now, that's not a threat. If Herod could have understood this, if Herod would have had some kind of insight to this and understand that he, Jesus wasn't a threat to him in the way that he viewed Jesus as a threat. And the Bible says that, that God sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but that through Jesus that the world might be saved. That Jesus' purpose of coming to this earth, of of coming to this earth in the form of a human and, and just really getting rid of and giving up all of his rights as being the Son of God and coming and taking the form of a lowly human being. Doing that for us. To say, I'm not coming to condemn you. I'm coming that through me that you might be saved. That, that I'm coming to fulfill the law. I'm coming to to give my life so that all of those things that have to be taken care of in order for sin to be taken care of, you can't do that on your own. I'm coming to give my life so that through me, Jesus says, that you might be saved. Not that through me that you might be judged or not through me that you might be hated or not through me that your life might be miserable or that I might be a threat to you. But Jesus says, I've come that, that you might have life through me, that you might be saved. He didn't come to make life miserable. And, and John 10.10, 10, you can turn over a couple chapters there. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, I came that they may have life and have it. What's the next word? Abundantly. Some translations say Jesus came so that you may have life and have it to the full. This isn't somebody who said, I've come to make your life limited. This isn't somebody who said, I've come so that you can be miserable, so that you can never have any fun again, so that you can just live a life of just nothingness because I, I've come as a threat to you. So much more than that. And Jesus says, I've, I've come that you might be saved through me. Jesus says, I've come so that not only that you might have life, but he says that you might have life abundantly. I mean, that, to me, that speaks volumes. That isn't just, hey, live life a little bit, everything's okay. Jesus said, I come that you just, just have a party, right? This is a good life, and you can have the good life through me, Jesus said. I've come so that you might have life, and you might have it abundantly. So Jesus' goal was not to be a threat to life, but to fulfill life. And Herod didn't understand that, although... He knew who Jesus was as far as what the Scripture said and the prophets had foretold, but he did not have this understanding personally of who Jesus was or else he would have never been threatened in the way that he was because Jesus wasn't after his kingship. Jesus is not after our jobs. Jesus is not after our promotions. Jesus is not after anything else. Jesus wants our hearts. He's after our lives so that he can give us that life that's more abundant and free. Now, again, speaking like kings and we're rulers over us, that, doesn't, that just doesn't compute to me. It may to you, but I've never lived that life. I've never lived in a culture where 
there's been a king and I've been someone under a kingship, earthly kingship. That just doesn't compute to me. But when you, again, when you think about some of the things of the way that our lives are affected, what I want you to think about for the next few minutes this morning is how do you respond to the birth of Jesus and to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus? How do you respond to that? We see how Herod responded and some of the people around him of how they responded. But how do you respond? And, and I'll just say this to you. Maybe you're here this morning. Uh, maybe you're not a believer. And, and that's great. We always say, we hope and I pray almost every week. Uh, just uh, There's very few times that I don't pray that today we will have people in this auditorium who do not know Jesus. And that's awesome. So if you're here, you're in the right place. I'm glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here. So maybe you're not a believer. You just kind of come along because it's close to the Christmas season. Somebody's been nagging you, and you decided you had to show up to get them off your back, but you really haven't bought into all this Jesus stuff, and you don't see what the big deal is, but maybe they'll just leave you alone, and then you'll be on your way. How do you respond to Jesus? Maybe you see Jesus as a threat, like Herod did. And I would say to you, if you do, what, what's your response? You know, are you gonna, you gonna, do you fight against him? Do you become argumentative when you're around people who talk to Jesus and you try to belittle things and you're, you're just trying to go against it so you can make yourself feel better about your point? Or maybe you flee from it. Maybe you just try to avoid the whole Jesus thing completely. And that's why you haven't been to church yet because people have been nagging you, but you've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And you say, well, Christmas is a good time to do it, so I'll come. Maybe you, your, your response to Jesus is just to, to think, I'll just ignore it. I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to think about Jesus. I don't want to have to think about what that means for my life. I don't want to think about is there a heaven or is there a hell or is there a judgment or am, am I a believer or will I be saved or am I lost? Am I going to heaven or not? You don't want to think about that, so you just kind of tune it out and you think that if you don't think about it, if you don't uh, surround yourself around things that mention Jesus or whatever, that you're okay. And, and what you're doing is you're just running from that. You're just doing that. That fleeing thing. You're just, you're just running from that. So how, how do you respond? And here's what I want you to know if you're not a believer. Jesus really is not a threat to you. Jesus loves you. He died for your sin the same as he did for mine. And he wants for you exactly what those scriptures that I just read said. He wants you to have life and he wants you to have it abundantly. He wants you to know that he came to give his life so that through him you could be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter uh, how much you think that you've done wrong there. Jesus, when he came and died on the cross, he took care of that penalty of sin for us, which includes anything that you and I could ever think about or ever do. Now, it doesn't make it right, and we're not proud when we do things wrong, and hopefully you're not happy about the way that you live your life apart from Jesus if you're living in a sinful type of way that's harmful to you. But, but Jesus took care of that for you so that you could believe in him and have life. You don't need to run from that. You don't need to be afraid of that. Now, we can look at Herod and we can say, gosh, I can't believe Herod would respond that way. You know, this is Jesus. He shouldn't be so uh, aggressively against Jesus. Why would Herod respond that way? Why, how, how could Herod be so shallow as to be threatened by his way of life? 
And I don't know, again, if, if you're not a believer, this may be you or, or it may, may not be you, but maybe part of the thing that hinders you from really tuning in to what's going on is you're kind of enjoying the way you're living and you don't want that to change. You're no different. I'm no different than Herod. It's a threat to our lifestyle that we enjoy. I enjoy doing this. I'm afraid if I I'm afraid if I believe in Jesus and start going to church and all that Christian stuff, then I'm going to have to not do this and not do that and not do that. And sure, there are things in your life that will change when you give your life to Christ. But guess what? You don't have the capability right now to be able to see that what now is what you think is so good for you. You don't have the capability to see that Jesus is the one who said he would give you life abundantly. And it's not a matter of just a bunch of things that you give up if you believe in Jesus. It's the idea of what you receive and what you're able to have because you believe in Him. So I just want to challenge you this morning, if you don't believe in Him, are you running from Him? Are you fighting against Him? Why are you doing that? Are you threatened? And know that that Jesus just wants you to give your life to Him. Let Him change you. Don't worry about what you can or can't do or I don't think I'll be able to let go of that or I don't think I'd ever be able to stop doing that. Don't worry about all that. If you can just trust in Him, and He, he will change you in the way that He wants to and you will see that it will be a life that inside is an abundant, happy life. As Cliff talked about last week, it doesn't mean that things always go well. You know, people who say that people who are Christians never have any problems, I don't know where, they're not getting that from reading the Bible, I can tell you that. And and they evidently have not lived a life very long <laughs> if they haven't experienced any problems. It's not about never experiencing any problems. It's not about your life will be perfectly great. You'll never have a problem. You'll never get cancer. There'll always be plenty of money. You'll have money just coming in the mailbox. Just you don't even know where it's coming from. Just left and right. It's all you just got everything. It just everything is wonderful. It's not always that. There are oftentimes hardships and troubles in in our lives. But the, the difference about a person who is a believer versus one who isn't is when those troubles come of knowing that Jesus is with us, that he will provide for us. It might not be the way we think, but he knows what's best for us, and he wants to give us that life that's abundant. So I want to challenge you, if you're in that category this morning, maybe you just don't believe, maybe you don't have enough information. You know, I say keep coming to church. Start reading your Bible if you're not. Ask some people. Quit running and fleeing and fighting against it. And if you really want to make a decision, start checking into it and get the information. And we'll be glad to help you any way we can there. And, and then the, the, the other person, uh, you know, there, there's, I don't like to put people in categories, but basically there's two categories of people here this morning. Either you're, you're a believer in Jesus or you're not. So I address those of you who might not be, but for those of us who are, the challenge to us would be similar. I mean, if you're a believer, you know that you're saved and you've got Jesus in your heart and all that stuff we say, and that's all good. But I would challenge us to think about this. Are we just comfortable knowing that we believed in Jesus so that we could make it to heaven? But just like Herod and some of the other people that were around him, we really don't want Jesus to have full control of our life because we're just pretty comfortable the way we're living. Not a matter of salvation, not a matter of heaven, but how do you respond to Jesus? What is it that's in your life? If you would stop and think and you would say, you know what? I know I'm, I know I'm a believer. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. That, that's, that's out of the way. Apart from that, 
Are there areas in my life that I just refuse to let Jesus have a hold of because, frankly, I just like the way that part of my life is going, and I don't want him to mess that up. It's a threat. It's a threat to you in the way that you live. Now, guess what? I've lived long enough as a Christian to know that God will just let us continue to live that way if we want to, not without consequence. And we can be stubborn. And it may not be any major, big, gigantic kind of thing, but it's just that concept of this is not the way God wants me to live. And the difference for us is being able to say, you know what, that's where that abundant life comes in. That's where that life of, you know, I can make it on my own, things will go okay, it's not going to be any big deal, versus when I'm living the way Jesus wants me to, that's what really makes a difference in my life. That's when I know that I'm living the life that he's called me to live. And that can be different for for all of us in different ways. But I would want to challenge all of us, if you're a believer, to say, how do you respond to Jesus? What's that area of your life that that you feel a little threatened by that that as of yet you're just not willing to let that go to him? You're not willing to be obedient to him. Maybe it's in the area of giving. You know, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to serve, but don't talk to me about my money. You know, the joke is, you know, the guy who gets baptized, and when he goes down, he pulls his wallet out and holds it up so it doesn't go under when they dunk him. You know, I got all of it but my wallet, right? But, you know, what, what area is that? It, maybe it's giving, maybe it's not. Maybe you're good there, but it might be another area. Maybe there's, maybe there's an area in your life, and you feel like God's kind of working you towards something. There's a direction in your life that he wants you to go, and you, you're just not going to do it, and you haven't done it yet because you feel threatened because what if? If I do that, that means I have to not do this, and I have to let this go, and I'm pretty comfortable here. And There's all kinds of things that can go on in our minds and in our hearts. So I would want to challenge you in that way. So, again, just think about this. I'll just close up and say this in, in, in two ways. Uh, how do you respond to Jesus? If you're not a believer, are you running from him? Are you fleeing from him? He's not a threat to you in the way that you think. He wants abundant life for you. And as a believer, you've got the salvation thing taken care of. But are there areas in your life that you're just not willing to let go of yet because you're threatened that things will change and you don't know whether it will be for the good or whether it will be for bad or you just don't want to give up what you have. Now, that could probably fit all of us this morning. And what I want you to do is, I'm just going to, would you just close your eyes? I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy or embarrass anybody or anything like that. But I, I want to just, just give a, let a, a few minutes of, of, of silence go by. You, if we can just be quiet for just a minute, which is such a hard thing to do in our culture. And just be quiet. And, and the only thing, if you can tune out, the only thing you can hear is that air conditioning unit running in the background. And I'd have you ask yourself this question between you and God. Just just uh, either confirm or get an answer. God, I know for sure. Can you say this? I know for sure that I have given my life to you and that I am a believer in you. I am saved. You, ought, you should have been able to get an answer. You know, yes or no just took a couple of seconds and I would just challenge you this morning if the answer for you this morning was no or I'm not really sure 
Are you even kind of afraid to even answer that question? I'd love to talk to you. Cliff would love to talk to you. Somebody that you know here, another believer, somebody would, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. Don't let your questions go unanswered. You need to be able to answer that question without a doubt, without any hesitation. And then the other part of it would be, as a believer, just between you and God, just for the next few seconds, it's going to be quiet. Ask God to show you if there's any area in your life that you're just not willing to let him have. would would you pray with me God uh, thank you for today thank you uh, that we think about Jesus more specifically during this season but I also thank you that we're not limited to thinking about him only in December or on December 25th but that uh, Jesus is a part of our lives uh, and it's it's every day it's not just holidays and special occasions and, Lord, I thank you for your word that we can look at it. We can see how people who lived a long time ago still struggle with things that we struggle with today and how they responded. And sometimes they're good responses that, that we want to model. And sometimes they're responses that, that we can identify and say, hey, you know, that's not the right response, but, but, but I've responded that way. And, and, Lord, I thank you most of all that you're gracious and that you love us and that you forgive us. And, and that we can, we can ask for that forgiveness, and you're there for us. And so, Lord, I pray today that uh, if there are people here that don't know you, help them understand that you're so much more than a threat to their way of life, that you are life for them, that you came and you sent Jesus to fulfill life and to give them life abundantly. Help them to understand that they've experienced negative people who are Christians or things that have kind of turned them off, I pray that you just override that and erase that with the truth of who you really are and what you want for their life. And Lord, for, for those of us who are believers, give us strength to do what you want us to do. Sometimes we say we don't know and we're always looking and for what you want, but Lord, I think so often there are times that we do know and we're just not willing to do it. And so I pray that you help us to be obedient. You help us to act on those things that we know of and to act, depend on you. So, Lord, as we uh, think about this Christmas season and about Jesus being known, we, we want to know him. We want to know him not only for our salvation, but we want to know him as, as ruler and the king of our lives and how he can change that life for us and make it the way that he wants it to be. So thank you for that in Jesus' name.